You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. So, Father, we just come to you again. We ask that you would speak to us through your word now, God, that you would give us clarity of mind. Lord, that you would give us wisdom to understand your text that you wrote to us to read and to study. God, that you would just give us application of how to apply this to our life. And, Lord, not just to give us uh, application, but just give also give us a heart to want to apply this to our life. God, so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, again, we're in a study in a series that we've called Perspective because perspective matters, right? Proper perspective breeds or leads to proper understanding or perception of something. And so this is one huge thing that we're going to read tonight that, that I think will change everything in your life. It will change your attitude. It will change how um, other people um, act around you, their attitudes. It will change how you see things in people. It will change how people see you. And that one thing is that we're looking at tonight is grumbling and complaining. Grumbling and complaining. Can I just, I mean, we don't need a show of hands, but just a question to ask yourself. Are you a grumbler or a complainer or and a complainer? I mean, just be honest with yourself. Um, I mean, there's times in life, right, where it's just like, we get dealt a bad hand, right? I, at my work right now, it's like there's days where I feel like I get dealt a bad hand. Is it because they did it on purpose and they they didn't, don't like me? No, I don't think that's it at all. It's just a part of the the gig. I served tables at a restaurant for many years, right? It's like sometimes you get put out on the patio. The patio would be slamming and you wouldn't have any busser's help or anybody's help, right? And you're just like, why is this going on? And you could complain about anything and everything, right? But is it because they didn't like you? No, that's not the case. It's like, that's just the way the cards fell that night. But so grumbling and complaining. So a question to ask yourself, are you a grumbler? Are you a complainer? The message of this, or the title of this message, if I was to title it tonight, is complaining is staining. Complaining is staining. And this is a message I taught actually six years ago, right? So this is a message that that convicts me to this very day. I mean, God's word never changes. And this is a teaching that's just so hard. It's like, man, God, I don't want to teach this, right? I don't want to teach it. But the reason I don't want to teach it is because it's so hard to apply to my life. It's so hard to not be a grumbler and a complainer. It's so easy to look at different things and like, man, ah, if they just do things my way, right? Man, if we could do things different, why are they doing that? Uh, man, I'd hate how the way they treated me or they treated them. And we just complain and we grumble about everything. So one thing we need to know before we even get into this text is that the people of Israel, the Israelites, when God did a huge, um, huge work in their life, um, so they were, they were slaves for 400 plus years, right? They were oppressed. There was racism, systemic racism going on for sure. We think we got a problem here. Um, it's like, let's go back to the Israelites in Egypt, right? 400 plus years. That's more years than America has even been a country, right? So they were oppressed slaves 
in Egypt, right? But God brings the 10 plagues. He raises up Moses. He tells him to go to Pharaoh, say, let my people go over a series of events. God says, I'm going to release them, um, but it's not going to be easy. It's going to be with a heavy hand that I'm going to do it. And so he does it. Um, after the 10th plague, right? Death comes to the people. Pharaoh's uh, own firstborn dies. Uh, many other people's firstborn dies. And then he says, just let the people go. And so they let the people go, right? And then they get out, right? It's amazing, right? Like, what? We're free? We're allowed to leave? Are you serious? And they go, and they're probably all stoked, all kinds of stuff, right? But then they go, and they hit the Red Sea. All of a sudden, they're at the Red Sea, and it's this, oh, crap moment. Um, like, what are we going to do? Uh, this is a sea. We can't go past it. And then they look behind them. And if you ever seen the movie Moana, or not Moana. Uh, Moana's a good movie, too, but uh, Mulan. Mulan. If you ever seen Mulan, you where they, um, they they think like they're defeating this um, army or whatever, and they look up on the hill, and all of a sudden there's just like a thousand people coming to, to of the pe- a thousand people of the other army coming down the mountain, storming them. And I just get that picture where it's like the Israelites are at the bottom um, towards the Red Sea, and then they just kind of look up, and they just hear this little faint roar, and it's just getting louder, and all of a sudden it's like it's the Egypt- Egyptians with their chariots and their horses coming down to try and kill us, right? It's like, oh man, what are we going to do? Well, obviously we know God parts the Red Sea, right? He makes a way where there wasn't one. Um, And so he he makes his way, this amazing feat, right? And then the people go across the Red Sea. um, And then as the Egyptians are following them, trying to kill them, um, then, then God crashes the waves down on them and drowns them in the sea. And then Moses says, see, people... The people that were trying to kill you, they will never bother you again. Like, come on, man, that's amazing. And the people got to be like stoked. And so then they sing, I think it's Exodus chapter 15. They sing this song of praise. Um, It's a great time. But what happens is, why I tell this whole story, is that they get into the wilderness. And make no mistake, God called them into the wilderness. It wasn't a mistake that they ended up there. It wasn't like, oh man, we made a wrong turn and or anything like that. No, God called them into the wilderness. And I believe there's a season of life for all of us where God calls us into the wilderness, where he gets us out of our comfort zone, where he wants to show us something new about him and he wants to teach us. And so he brings them out into the wilderness and I believe to show him that he's a provider, show him that he is God, that he is Yahweh, um, that he is the I am. And so um, they go get out there, and then they start to complain, right? I mean, and if we put ourselves in their shoes, I think we could say, well, yeah, I totally understand. I would complain too, right? We're walking um, miles and miles and miles every single day through the desert, through the wilderness. We don't got any food. We don't have any water, right? It's like I forgot to fill up my hydro flask in Egypt, and now I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and so now we got these people and they're going out into the wilderness and now they start to say like, Moses, why did you bring us out here? Did you just bring us out here to die? And then people start to say, man, it would have been better if we had just stayed in Egypt because at least we had food and we had drinks and we had shelter. Yeah, we were slaves, but at least we would be, we'd be taken care of. But out here, man, Moses, we're going to die. So they start to complain, start to grumble. And then what we see is that, that Moses goes to the Lord and says, man, they're grumbling, they're complaining, and then God provides for them food, uh, f- food from heaven, right? And so then manna comes down from heaven every single day. They're, they're eating, right? Miraculous, a miracle every single day. That'd just be amazing um, to see. And then they, they, they complain some more. 
well, we need some water, right? And then he gets water, he strikes the rock, gets some water um, at one point, he throws a stick into the water, makes uh, bitter water sweet at one point. And then even they complain once that they want some meat or whatever, and then God makes all these quail um, come down and then they're allowed to eat the quail. So anyway, but what we see is eventually after all of that complaining and grumbling, complaining and grumbling, complaining and grumbling, God eventually says enough's enough. And he tells the Egyptians, not the Egyptians, sorry, the Israelites, um, and this is after Moses, he strikes the rock the second time because people are grumbling and complaining. And just because it worked once doesn't mean that it's uh, the right way again, right? Just because it works doesn't mean it's right. So God said to speak to the rock, and then he, he hit the rock twice out of frustration. And then God uh, banished Moses from the promised land. He says, you're not going to enter. You're going to bring the people right up to it, but you're not going to enter it. And then he talks about the people and how like they're grumbling and complaining. He said, because you're grumbling and complaining, like you're going to die in the wilderness. Wow. Seriously? Because of your grumbling and complaining, you're not going to see the promise. Now you're going to die in the wilderness. And so my one of my thoughts tonight as we get into this, like, man, is, our, is your grumbling and complaining keeping you from experiencing and seeing what God wants to do in your life? Is God trying to speak to you tonight? Say, hey, you're grumbling and complaining. You're going to die in your complaints. Yeah, and all those complaints that you put on, those, those grumbling and that grumbling that turns into gossip, the gossip that turns into slander, like all those things. God's like, you're going to die in that. You're going to die in that. If you don't change your ways, you're going to die in those things. And so just we need to check ourselves tonight. Complaining is staining. This is, again, the, the title of this message. And so here's the text. Chapter 2, verse 14 in Philippians says, do all things. Someone say it with me. Do all things. Type it in the chat. Do all. All things. All. All caps. Do all things without grumbling or disputing is what the ESV says. Other versions would say grumbling or complaining. He says that you may be blameless and innocent. See, if you want to be blameless and innocent, don't grumble. Don't complain. Don't dispute things with people. That you may be blameless and innocent, but check this out. He says, blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Those words should hopefully just stir something up in you and it just gets you thinking for a second because I think if we took those words right now, we are living in the midst of a twisted uh, and crooked generation, are we not? We've got so many problems going on, right? We've got these, these things going on. If we were to speak to recent um, issues and things coming up, the whole defund the police movement that's going on, like it's crazy. I read a thing today and it was talking about how there's like, it's either Seattle or San Francisco where cops police are not allowed to be in a certain area because it's just so like dangerous and they've just totally like moved out and it's just this huge movement if you will I don't support it or agree with it but to me I'm like man we have such a twisted generation a crooked generation people the bible says this guys we should not be surprised although we are always surprised we're just like how can you how can you believe that um that 
that uh, ideology, right, where people are like, hey, let's just defund the police and get rid of the police department. Like, well, if we do that, do you realize how much crime there's going to be? It's like, so when someone robs you or kicks in your door and holds a gun to your family's head and takes everything you got and there ain't no one there to help you, like, what are you going to do, right? And you think that that's a good idea. Like, seriously, so like when we sit down, if we had some coffee, we could just be like, seriously, tell me how you think that's a good idea, right? And it just sounds so foolish. But but the Bible says that in the last days, that people will call what's evil good, and what's good evil. And don't we see that? Right? We, we got people saying the things that are evil, that God has said, it's like not, to not be controlled by anything, right? To be sober-minded and alert, right? It's things like, so basically, sobriety. Yet we have a world that says, smoke weed, marijuana for anything and everything, and it's got all these medical benefits and things, right? It's like they're calling what's evil good. But then at the same time, they're taking things like, like the police department. And mind you, is every police officer a great, good person? No, like, but that's with anything, even with church people, right? Like, I mean, you know, just as good as I know, that we are messed up people. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. So when people look at the church and they're like, I don't want to go to church because they're imperfect people. It's like, yeah, that's the idea. We're imperfect, broken people coming to a perfect, put-together God. And so... Uh, so anyways, like we got these things and people calling what's good evil. People like Christ, calling Christianity, the Bible, um, wrong, evil, right? That, that, that it's wrong to tell someone that God um, has said in his word that homosexuality is a sin, right? And if you want to write me on this and message me later, I would love to talk to you. Um, but, but it is in there. When people act like, oh, he didn't say that. And that's not what that means. It's like, well, what other, what else could it mean? Come on. Anyways, that's where we live, though, in the midst of this crooked, twisted generation. So if we can understand that, where there's a huge problem. It's not just a little problem. And I mean, it, it, it is it's sin, but it's so much more wicked and twisted than we can even imagine. The things that I've read this week, um, and I don't know if I would recommend to go read them or not, but some of my friends are really involved in some like conspiracy type theories and they're super interesting guys. And I mean, I told one of my friends, I said, I don't know. I think I kind of believe what they're saying. And, and me and my wife were reading them. Um, and my wife even said, man, that's like, that's scary. Like if that's real, it's scary. And I said, yeah, it is kind of scary. It's spooky. It's like that kind of stuff where you see it in a movie and you're like, that would ha happen in real life. Right? But it's happening right now. There's so much things. Satan, the Bible says, is the ruler of this world. God has handed this thing over to Satan. Satan is working things together for our downfall, for the destruction of the church, for the destruction and defaming of Jesus. And so he's trying to work all these things together. And what I think is, is that God or, or uh, Satan has tried to sweep so much stuff under the rug, God is starting to open our eyes to reveal the deception that has been going on in this nation, in this world, on just a much bigger level. And I think we're going to start to see some of this stuff come out. And we just, I mean, we just got to stand by. So we have such a twisted, crooked generation. And it's not, it's not to point fingers at people, because I understand this, is that you were wrong at one point, and maybe even you're still wrong today. Uh, we will make wrong decisions still today, but I'm saying like you were in darkness at one point. You were blind. You didn't know Jesus. You didn't have it uh, together in a sense of, of eternal life. And so we got to understand that and these people are the same way. They're, just, they're in darkness. It's not that they 
are trying to work all things together for our downfall, but man, they're under the influence of Satan and they, they truly think that what they're doing is right and for a reason and a purpose. And so what Paul's saying is like, man, we need to be a light in the midst of this world. And that's what he says here. He says, verse 15, he says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. So he's want, like, you, he says, to, don't complain, don't grumble, don't dispute so that you can be blameless and innocent um, without blemish. Like there is no, um, there's nothing bad they can say about you in the midst of this crooked generation. He says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Isn't that the goal? To shine as lights in the world. Like, hey, even in the midst of a pandemic, that we would shine as lights in the world. Hey, even in the midst of this racism, systemic racism that's been going on forever and now it's just exploding or imploding, we could almost even say, um, is we're supposed to shine as lights in the world. And so he says, uh, verse 16 says, holding fast to the word of life because God's word is life. There is no life anywhere else. Like Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. First, or not first John, maybe it's first John. No, John chapter one says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, implying that God, Jesus, is is the word. And so he's like holding fast to Jesus, the word of life, where we find life, where life stems from, uh, Colossians Chapter 1 and verse 16 says, Through him, Jesus, all things were made by him and for him. So like Jesus is the creator of everything. He's like, hold fast to the one who created you and the one who can change things and, and heal things and bring life to things. And he says, so that in the day of Christ, like when he comes back or we go there, whatever it is, when he wraps everything up, he says, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And it's almost like a selfish statement in a sense, but Paul's like, man, I'm being poured out here. I'm in prison right now, guys. And this isn't just the the first time he's been in prison. He's like, man, I'm just like, I'm all in. I'm getting hurt. I'm getting whipped, beat to almost the point of death, but not quite. And so, and Paul's like, I just want, I want to get to heaven and know that everything that I went through, every whip, every bruising, every hard circumstance that I faced head on, every, every, uh, Every bad thing that I pushed through, even though it was uncomfortable and it was hard and I didn't like it, he's like, I want to know that it wasn't in vain. Isn't that a good prayer? Like, I want to know that it mattered. So he's like, hold fast to the word of word of life. Hold fast to Jesus so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I didn't labor in vain. And that's, that's similar to my heart right now, too. I mean, it should be all of our hearts and especially like the pastor's heart. That's why I want to refocus things right now, like not focusing so much on online Bible study, uh, but on more so like local, uh, well, pouring into our our leaders and team um, first off, but then local evangelism and just putting the word out here in Austin, Texas. It's like, and I don't want to labor in vain per se. Like I want to be able to just pour everything into this so that when Jesus comes back, it's like, man, like I didn't run in vain. It, It wasn't meaningless you know what i'm saying and so hopefully that would be our hearts like man we would just pour everything out so that jesus would be um glorified and so he says this in verse 17 he says even if i am poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith i am glad and i rejoice with you all basically it's like even if i get killed for jesus and my blood is shed as an offering for your faith he's like i'm glad and i rejoice with you 
He says, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And so the, the way I want to end it to, tonight is just the way I kind of started this uh, teaching and talking about just complaining, grumbling, disputing is that it is staining. If we are called to be lights in this world, if we're called to be a witness for Jesus, if we want to, we, if we want people to know Jesus, right? That's the fervent church so that people may know Jesus. It's like we need to stop complaining, stop grumbling, stop disputing things, all right? Obviously, there's a time and a place to, to grumble or maybe not grumble, but um, like dispute things where it's like, hey, your, your best friend um, is going off the deep end and they're starting to make some bad well, let me dispute that and say, hey, I don't think the way you're living right now is quite right. That's a good place to like, hey, dispute things. But if we're going to grumble and complain for complaining's sake and gossip and slander people, that's not okay. What that ends up doing is it starts to stain our witness. It starts to dim our lights. Excuse me. Right? So as we complain, the more we complain at work and people hear us, they're like, but don't, don't you believe in Jesus? Didn't you say that like he died and resurrected for your sins and that he's making a place for you and that he's he's uh, forgiven you of your sins and you're not a slave to your sins anymore and the chains have been broken and all these things, right? And then all of a sudden they see you grumbling and complaining about every little thing at work. Now they're going to say, like, why do I want to be a Christian? Like, it sounded really good until I saw you, a Christian, start to live out your life and now they've seen a grumbling, complaining person. They're like, you look more miserable than, than eternal life that you talk about, right? So grumbling, complaining, disputing is staining. So if we could be more aware of our actions and our words, we could be a brighter light in this world that desperately needs it right now. Desperately needs it. It's a crooked and twisted generation. So much wickedness going on right now. But at the same time, God has sustained the world, right? It hasn't fallen apart. It hasn't all ended because he is not done yet. He's patient. And so, what is it? It's either 1 Peter chapter 3 or 2 Peter chapter 3. And he's, Peter says, don't count the Lord's slowness um, as him like... Let's just look it up because I'm going to totally misquote it. Um, 1 Peter, no, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow... To fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, that all would find everlasting life. And that's what Jesus is doing right now. So it's like if the world is going on to see another day, even though it's bad, it's dark, it's uncomfortable, there's trials and things all over the place, all over this world, people are hurting, they got questions. The reason God is sustaining it is because he wants to live he wants people to live to see another day so that hopefully they would see him in the light. Hopefully that they would see him through our witness as we shine for lights in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation. You see what I'm saying? But again, if we come back, if we're complaining, if we're grumbling, if we're disputing every little thing, people are going to be like, man, I don't want anything to do with this God, with this Jesus, with this religion that you talk about because you just seem miserable and you're just... You don't have anything good to say about anyone. So if we could just cut that off, that's the application for this part. That's why I hate this, this text. It's so good, but I hate it because it's so challenging, guys. Because it's so easy to complain about things. It's so easy to find fault in things. Um, and for me, like I'm just a critic 
by nature. Um, I critique my own work more than anybody else, right? I'm, the, I'm my own worst critic, but I also critique other things just without thinking about it, without even trying. And so for me, it's like it's a, it's a struggle to just close my mouth. Don't say what you're thinking. You, you understand that? We don't need to tell everybody everything that we're thinking. Um, so sometimes it's like, like um, James said, be slow to speak. Just close your mouth. Quick to listen to other people. Let other people make a fool of themselves, right? I think it's in Proverbs where um, Solomon says uh, that even the fool is considered wise if he doesn't open his mouth. Essentially, that's my paraphrase. He's like, even the person who's foolish is uh, perceived as wise if he just doesn't talk. But as the fool talks, they show how foolish they really are. So, so anyways, uh, maybe if we could just hold our mouth a little bit more, if we could just keep our thoughts and process them and filter them through the Holy Spirit before he's put it out there. Like, is this helpful? Is this good? Am I being a good witness um, with this? Is people going to have a bad or a good perception of Jesus Christ through what I'm saying. So anyways, complaining is staining, guys. Um, so take that for what it's worth. Try to put it to practice this week and for the rest of your life, hopefully. Um, and hopefully you're challenged and blessed by that as I am challenged and I'm blessed by it. Um, it it's a good word. But again, um, just to let you guys know who are joining us and have just joined us in these last 20 minutes or so is that we will not be doing our online services for the next few weeks, probably closer to a month. Um, and it's just to refocus, get um, on the same page with our team and our leadership, um, pour into them. We all want to just, we just want to refocus and give this thing everything that we got um, and, and focus on the reason we're here so that people may know Jesus and people specifically in the Austin area. Um, and so pray with us um, as we seek to see what that means and where we're going to go and for a location. Uh, again, if you want to help support us um, financially, fervent.church, you can do that. Um, just praying for us as well. It's a huge thing. Support us with prayer. Um, and then also if you want to just um, stay tuned, updated, obviously follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or sign up for our email newsletter on our website, fervent.church. Um, and just be looking for some of the content that we put that we put out there. Sometimes we're going to be doing like little um, studies. Again, like I said, this is things that I want to do and I hope that I can do. Um, or maybe just me and my FedEx truck one day putting out a two-minute message um, just to help encourage you. Um, some thoughts that God puts on my heart. Um, and just to stay in tune with that. Um, what else do I got? I don't know. But I just want to say thank you guys for watching and tuning in. Um, share this message with someone if you if it blesses you and challenges you because it'll probably bless and challenge somebody else. So don't keep God's word to yourself. It's a treasure. It's a gift to be shared with others. And so let me pray us out and then we uh, will we'll be out of here. So God, we just thank you for this time that we could gather together. We pray that you have taught us something, that you've opened our eyes, our understanding to uh, just the things that are unseen, maybe things that have gone gone unnoticed, attitudes of complaining, grumbling, or disputing that may have been hidden in the darkness. God, bring it to light. Help us to work them out. Help us to lay it at your feet. Give us the power, the self-control, and perseverance, Lord, just to keep our mouths shut when we don't need to speak and share thoughts and opinions with people, God, but help us to also have wisdom to know what is good to share. Um, and so help us to be a light in this twisted, crooked world, God. We pray that you would just bring uh, healing to the world. Bring peace, Lord, um, understanding, God. But uh, we also understand that your word says that things are going to get 
worse before they get better and before you wrap it up. But God, keep us safe. Keep your your kids, your Christian um, kids uh, safe, Lord, Pr- protected. And um, keep us keep us from the tribulation, God. I pray that you would just uh, that you would take us with you uh, before this stuff gets any worse. But God, help us to make the most of every moment, every opportunity here and now. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, again, share this if you want to with other people if it's blessed and challenged you. And we'll hopefully see you back when we revamp things up. So be watching, following the Fervent Church to see um, when we'll be starting back. But um, pray that you guys have a good week, that you're your witness out in the world, um, shining bright so that people may know Jesus. Um, keep us in prayer, guys, um, as we seek to see what um, what God wants to do with us and where, where our location is and just different things of that nature. We just we want to get real, 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 real serious right now. Um, so anyways, uh, love you guys. Peace out. Stay fervent, y'all.